as we look at uh, this Christian life that we all live and the, the things that God would have us do as Christians and as believers, I started asking myself, what is a Christian anyway? Really, I wasn't asking myself that until I started thinking about the world and the, and the society that we live in. And I started to think about what, what do most people in our community or in our society say a Christian is? And does it agree with what the Word of God says a Christian is? And I wonder if it agrees with what you believe a Christian is. While you're uh, thinking about that, uh, you can ask yourself, a Christian. I think people in the room would, and I think uh, some of the people online, maybe maybe some not, would call themselves a Christian. If someone asked you, are you a Christian, you would say, yes, I am a Christian. When I, when I went to uh, Mexico for a short time, early on in my ministry, I learned something that was news to me. I didn't realize this until, uh, obviously, it was taught to me, but the, the, the people in Mexico... Well, if you ask them if they are Christian, 99% of them will say yes. Because that word in, in their language or in their understanding of that word means to be like Christ or to be like God. And they believe that if we're created in God's image, then we must all be like him. We must all be Christians. So they have a different understanding of that word and a different application of that word. Uh, there was a Sunday school uh, teacher one time who asked the class of first graders if anyone could describe a Christian. And this little boy quickly raised his hand and said, Christians are nice people who never complain, argue, or talk back. He then added, my daddy is a good Christian, but my mommy isn't. <laughs> it, was, it was kind of a funny little story there. I didn't know it was going to be funny the first part of it, but... There's some truth behind that, I, I hope. Uh, another Sunday school teacher was endeavoring to impress upon a class of boys to the importance of living the Christian life. Why do some people call me a Christian, the man asked the boys. And after a moment's pause, one youngster said, maybe it's because they don't know you. <laughs> okay, the truth comes from the kids sometimes. You don't want to be in that situation. The question I'm asking you is, do people know you're a Christian? And if they know you're a Christian, do they even know what it means to be a Christian? Do you know what it means? Do we really know what it means? Who are we? And why are we who we are? Let me, let me share a, a couple things for you, and then we'll get rolling on this. There's going to be quite a bit of Scripture, which is all gonna, hopefully all going to be on the, on the screen up there. If you, if you want to follow along, you can write in your notes some of these scripture references. But you know, the word Christian is only used three times in the New Testament. Did you realize that? The word Christian is only used three times in the New Testament. These aren't on the screen. You, Acts chapter 11, verse 26, write that down. And when he found them, he brought them to Antioch. So, so for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people. The disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. You've heard that before, hopefully. And in Acts chapter 26, verse 28, uh, then Agrippa said to Paul, do you think that in such a short time you can persuade me to be a Christian? That's number two. 
And then finally in 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 16, however, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear the name. Those are the three times that the word Christian, English word Christian, is used in the scriptures, in the New Testament scriptures. Uh, the word believer, however, is used 50 times or more in the New Testament. So I believe that the word believer is a better word to describe who we are as Christians. But then the question becomes, believer in what? Right? How many of y'all believe that Alabama has the best football team in all of college football? Nobody? Just me? Just me. I'm the only believer in the room. <laughs> so, so, so if we used a different team, I'm sure somebody else in the room would become a believer, wouldn't they? When it comes to that kind of stuff. There's always somebody who doesn't believe what you believe. And you, as a person, hopefully, believe in something. Even atheists believe in something. Right? They just don't believe in God, but they have to believe in something. So we're believers. Okay, anybody can be a believer, but what does it mean to be a believer who is called a Christian? That's what we have to get to. That's what we have to know. That's what we have to know. That's where we have to stand, right? So I'm going to go through, uh, I think, about six different things that describe what we believe as Christians. Because what we believe as Christians establishes who we are as Christians and what the word Christian means and what a Christian is. So first off, let's get going. I'm going to read some of these scriptures to you as we go along. First off, a believer believes in the God of the Bible. All right? Uh, they had, the, the believers of the New Testament had a specific and definite beliefs about God and one of them was that there is a God that the scriptures have talked about from the beginning of creation. Genesis, uh, uh, in Genesis, it says, in the beginning, God. Right off the bat, in chapter 1 of Genesis, it, God just is there. It didn't talk about how God was created. It just says, in the beginning, God. And everything after that, all the way through to Revelation, talks about God. He doesn't hide himself. We believe in the God of the Bible. That's what the believers believe. Second Peter, right here on, on your board, chapter 1, uh, verses 19 through 21, says this about this matter. And we have the word of the prophets made more certain, and you will do well to pay attention to it, so as to light shining in the dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation. For prophecy never had its origin in the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carrying along, carried along by the Holy Spirit. Nothing about this word, this Bible, came from anywhere other than God. It was all God speaking through the prophets and through the writers of the Bible all the way through the interpretations and the translations, all inspired by God. It is the word of God. So we believe in the God of this Bible. That's what believers believe. That's why we are believers of 
God. Let's look at another point. A believer believes that Jesus is God's son who became the sacrifice for sin. By the way, I meant that I should have wrote it down on my notes. I meant to warn you or at least advise you that this is one of those amen sermons. Because if you're a believer and you call yourself a Christian, all of this you should already know and you should stand firm in these truths. Right? As believers, we believe that God is, is, Jesus is God's son and he came to offer himself as a sacrifice for our sins. We just celebrated that last week. We should be celebrating it every week, right? And if we're believers and we're true, genuine Christians, then we do celebrate that. Colossians chapter 2 helps us with this in verse 13. When you were dead in your sins and in, in your uncircumcision of your sinful nature, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins. Amen and praise the Lord. There's plenty of other places throughout Scripture that teach us that Jesus is Lord and he is a sacrifice. He is the Savior and he's the Son of God. That's what the entire gospel is about. And if you don't believe that, then I don't think that you are uh, a Christian in the regards to what a Christian, what the Bible says a Christian is. That's number two. What about number three? We believe that Jesus is Lord. Way too many times the believers or the Christians want to receive Jesus the Savior, Jesus the Son of God, Jesus of the Bible, except for the lordship part of it. We have a rough time with his lordship in our life, with him being in charge, with him being the boss, with him being the master. The word lord actually means ruler or master or supreme one. That's, what that, that's, what, that's how that word is used in the original writings, to mean those things. So when you surrender to Jesus as lord and accept him as savior, which is the only way to become a Christian or a believer, a genuine believer, then those things have to go hand in hand. Romans 10 verse 9 shows us that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe with your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You see, it's part of salvation to accept him as Lord, to confess him as Lord, to not be ashamed of him as your Lord. Some people want him to be Lord, but they don't want everybody else to know he's Lord <laughs> in your life. Right? Because you want to present to the world that you're in charge of things, that you know what's going on in your life, but you don't want everybody to know. And that's not the witness of the Christian. That's not what a Christian is. A Christian is totally surrendered to his lordship and happy to do it. You get that part? Happy to do it, y'all. <laughs> because our faith means he's our savior, our faith in his lordship. Now, Another thing we believe as believers, as Christians, is salvation is only through Jesus. There's no other way to be saved. There's no other, there is no other Savior. There's no other Lord. There's only one way to be with God for eternity, and that's through Jesus, our Lord, our Savior. Do you know that 70%, this, is my, this might actually be an, old, an older, like a five- or six-year-old uh, statistic, but 70% of Americans believe that Jesus is the Son of God. I think that's outdated, but I, it could be true. Yet, they also believe that many paths lead to eternal life. I believe that's true. I believe that many, if not most people in general, think that there's more than one way to get into the presence of God for eternity. Because many of our society today, from the evidence that we can all see plainly in front of us, we're opening our eyes. 
many people think that the Christian life is not the only way to God. That's what's being taught today around the world, around, right here in our own community. Here's what Jesus taught in John chapter 14, verse 6. He says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. No one. Only, only through Jesus. Only through the gospel. If, if this is not true, which it is, but if it wasn't true, then us as we as believers or we Christians are simply fools if we believe something that's not true like this. What's the point in being a Christian if there's other ways? Especially if there's easier ways. Because some of the other ways that the world presents to be in the presence of God are way easier than being a Christian. Because you can have your cake and eat it too going down those roads. The problem is, is the cake isn't any good. Whether you eat it or not, it's not any good. And everything about Jesus is good. Isn't that great? So here's what, so far we believe in the God of the Bible. We believe that Jesus is the son of that God and he's a sacrifice for sins. We believe he's our Lord and we also believe he's the only way to God. Now, we should be getting excited about this, but some, I think sometimes when, when we preach about this kind of stuff, everybody sits back and it's like, okay, well, we know all this stuff. I heard this before. You're, you're preaching to the choir. You have to be reminded because people in our community are saying otherwise. And they're saying it in a way that sounds right, but it's wrong. And you have to pay attention to what's going on around you. Too many people are telling our children, you don't have to go to church to be a Christian. You don't, have to, uh, you don't have to believe in Jesus to be a Christian. You don't even have to believe that Jesus was resurrected from the dead to be a Christian. They're trying to teach people that being a Christian means something else other than accepting Jesus as Lord and Savior. Just be a good person. Jesus is a good teacher. He's a good moral man. And the Bible's full of good things, but it's not holy. That's what's going around. That's what's being taught. That's what's being said. And the true Christians, the true believers, will not stand for it. They will not let it stand. We will say otherwise. We will live otherwise. Right? If we believe these things, we should live accordingly. We should, our lives should reflect who we are and what we're about. It should, there should be no question in the minds of the people in your life what a Christian looks like or what a believer is. They may not agree with you. They may not believe what you believe. They may even call themselves a Christian and still believe something different than what you believe. But at least they know where you stand as a believer. They know what you believe. Remember our illustration. The, the little boy says, well, maybe they haven't met you yet. Maybe that's why they think you're a Christian. Do people know that you're a Christian just because they're around you? Do people know that, that they can't just assume that you're going to accept every way that they want to say is true about the Christian life or being a believer or about getting to be with the Father for eternity? When they try to dismiss the gospel message, the very thing that is the crucial thing that brings us hope and salvation for eternity. Without it, we're lost totally for eternity with no hope. 
It's the most important thing. His death, burial, and resurrection gives us that hope, gives us that salvation. We should be excited about this. We should still be excited from last week when we celebrated his resurrection. It's been 80 degrees for the last two days. What's that got to do with anything? What it has to do with is for the last four months, we've been wanting this hot weather to come around. Now we're like, well, it's kind of hot. The Christians ought to be the most excited people in this world about everything. We should not let our excitement die because of what we believe. There's nothing else more important to believe in than these things. Let's, let's move on. We believe that we're guilty sinners. <laughs> now, how can we be excited about that? I don't, I don't really think we can. I'm not, I don't get excited about being guilty. However, when I'm reminded of my guilt, as I am just about every day of my life, especially on Sunday before I get up here to talk to y'all for the Lord, me and the Lord have to work that out, I get reminded of God's grace. Every time I'm reminded of my guilt, I'm reminded of his grace and his love. And I get excited. We can come as we are to God. We don't have to wait until we get it all together to serve the Lord. We don't have to pretend like we got it all together and we're not sinners so that we can be excited about salvation. Because if you're not a sinner and you're perfect, you don't need salvation. And there's nothing for you to get excited about except for the fact that uh, you're wrong. <laughs> you are a sinner and you do need salvation. And the exciting part is it's there for you because all of these things are true. And God hasn't left you out. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Romans chapter 3 teaches that all day. It's something that every believer should already know in his mind. I think sometimes we focus on the all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God so much that we forget that I'm part of all. Because we, we, we find comfort in numbers sometimes. Well, I'm not the only sinner. It makes it easier to accept, isn't it? We talked about sin not too long too many weeks ago and, and how it affects our relationship with the Lord and how it interferes with what God wants for us and what Jesus did for us on the cross. All have sinned and fallen short. But praise God we have a Savior who's made that connection. He's made up the difference. He's gone that extra mile to get us where we need to be with God because He loves us. Do you know that... Uh, Christian believers, Christians who believe all of these things, we believe that there is a literal heaven and a literal hell. You believe that? Anybody else don't believe that? Don't raise your hand if you do. It's amazing to me how many people refuse to believe that hell exists. I can't even, I can't even wrap my... How is that possible? Because most of the people that I've talked to in my life that say hell isn't real will tell you that heaven is real. What, what does that say that's going on in their heart and in their mind, right? You want a silly illustration? Here it comes. You know it's coming. I believe that barbecue is real, but I don't believe tofu is real. 
Just because I don't believe something don't mean it don't, it's not there. Just because I don't like it and I don't want it don't mean I can dismiss it. What's the need in having a, a heaven if there is no hell? This is more of Jesus teaching in Matthew chapter 25 and verse 46. He says, then they will go away to eternal punishment. Talking about those who aren't with him, those who aren't part of the kingdom of God. But the righteous to eternal life. I think if we get our minds off of places, physical places, and understand that there's life or death, heaven or hell. And if you're not living, you're dead. This is why we go back to everybody's going to heaven. There's, there's plenty of ways to get to God because nobody wants to, to deal with hell. And I can say this, there's a lot of evidence for me back in the 70s and the 80s, and if I study the history of the 50s and 60s, when the preachers were preaching hard sermons about hell, more people were getting saved. That's what I believe. Jesus himself talked more about hell than he did heaven. You don't believe me? Study your Bible. Read it. It's there. He talked more about leaving the presence of God than he talked about being in the presence of God. Why is that important? Because there's a danger there. And we as believers believe that there is this very real danger for every human being. And we're hopeless in our own strength, and we need Jesus and his lordship. We need his salvation that he offers on the cross and his resurrection. We need it. We have to have it, or we're lost for eternity in hell. And if you're a, a believer, you're a Christian who's a believer in all of these things, then you have no concern over hell for yourself. In fact, your concern should turn to those around you who don't have that salvation who haven't believed, who are going to be in a place called hell if they don't believe and don't receive. Have you guys ever, have you guys ever heard of the atheist and the bear, the story? I think preachers have used this illustration so many times. It, it, I'll give you the summary. The atheist goes hiking in the woods and he's admiring all of these things that God created that he thinks just happen to exist from evolution. The trees and the, and the, and the wilderness and the mountains and the, the sky and the beauty of all those things. And suddenly a bear comes up on him and chases him down. As he's running away from the bear, he's starting to get scared. And he trips and falls, and the bear's on top of him, getting ready to swipe him with his right hand. And the atheist cries out to God for help in this moment. God help me. And the way the story is told is all of time stops. The wind stopped. The clouds stopped blowing around. The, water, the river stopped flowing. The bear stopped. And this voice from heaven comes up and says to the man, why should I help you since you've rejected me your whole life? Why should I do anything for you since you don't even think that I exist? You don't believe. So the atheist looked directly into the light that he saw with this, this voice coming from, and he said, uh, I would feel like a hypocrite if I became a Christian after all these years, but perhaps you could make the bear a Christian. You know how it ends, right? <laughs> he said, all right. The voice said, very well. The light went out. The river started running again. The forest started resuming its activities. And the bear dropped his right uh, paw, brought both paws together, bowed his head and said, Lord, for this food which I'm about to receive, I'm truly thankful. 
that dude was obviously a made-up story, but that dude was so confused. Not only was he not a believer, but he had a, a wrong understanding of what a Christian is, is about. What it means to be a Christian. He thought that if the bear would become a Christian, he would have mercy on him and be nice to him and hug him and kiss him and, and make him feel good. <laughs> no. That's not the way it works. You can't just make God who you want him to be when you want him to be who you want him to be. You see, as a Christian, what a Christian is, a Christian is a believer in all of these things. These are the essentials of what we believe for the most part. There's a lot of other things that we should believe and do believe and need to believe in order for our Christian life to be genuine, right? And we don't believe because we have to. We believe because we've heard the news, we've heard the truth, and we've come to conclusions that these things are true. And then we interact with the Lord and we meet him in such a way that we start pursuing him. And we begin this eternal life with God even before we leave this world. That's what a Christian does. That's what a Christian is. Here's the second thing, and we'll finish up with this. This, this won't take nearly as long, I hope. A Christian is a living stone. You ever heard that? Hopefully you've read it in your Bible. A Christian is a living stone. God being the builder of all things, right? That would be... Uh, what is that? Hebrews chapter 3 talks about God is the builder of all things. In the Old Testament, God used King Solomon, who built the first temple for God, and people worshiped God there. And that lasted, that temple, that building, that man made building lasted 400 years. A man named Zerubbabel, Zerubbabel God used to build the second temple. And that thing, that man made building lasted 500 years. And then another man came and built another man-made temple by God's direction, King Herod, and that building, that man-made building, lasted 90 years. That's a long time, y'all, for buildings to last. Some pretty good buildings, if you ask me, when it comes to buildings. But God, in the New Testament, is the builder of the temple. When Jesus came, everything changed. When Jesus came, he said, I'm not here to get rid of the law. I'm here to complete the law. And he says, I am what is holy. I am the temple. You are the temple as the church. You are in me and I am in the Father. And God, the kingdom of God is all about his temple, the church, you and me, and all the believers around the world. It's not about this building or any other church building. And here's the thing, y'all. This temple that God is building lasts for eternity. It will not crumble. It will not fail. It will always exist. And you and I are stones in that temple, spiritual stones. Each one of us is a stone that God is using to build his temple, to build his church, to build his bride. Look what this says. First Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16 and 17 talks about, don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that that, and that God's spirit lives in you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. For God's temple is sacred, and you are that temple. This, this reminds me of when Jesus was teaching that they will hate you because they hate me. 
you will, uh, we studied on Wednesday nights, we've been studying Peter's writings where he's talking about here's what it means to be a Christian and you will suffer. Suffering is part of being a Christian. Suffering is part of being a believer. They will hate you because they hate me. They hate you because they hate what God is building. They being the enemies of God, those who won't believe, those who reject God, those who reject his lordship, those who reject the one way to the Father through Christ, those who reject heaven and hell. The truth. God will have his way and his temple will get built. My question to you this morning, Christian believer, is are you a living stone? Are you being used by God to make up his temple, to make up his church, to, to be his work in this community, showing everyone who he is? Look at this here, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 4 and 5, and we'll finish up with this, I believe. If you remember any of these scriptures, remember this one. As you come to him, the living stone rejected by men, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. That is that and the previous scripture in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and most of everything else in the scripture is describing to me and you what a Christian is, what a believer is all about. And if we can come to, if we ever come to any conclusion that any of this is telling us that it's about me or you, we've misunderstood what's going on here. It's about God's kingdom. We're part of the church. We're part of the biggest thing going. We're part of the greatest thing ever in existence. Me and you, whoever, all of us who are Christians and believers. All of us who believe what we just talked about this morning. All of us who read this word and search for the truth and find it and ask God to help us apply it so that people will know him. All of us who love God and love people because that's what God taught us to do. That's, that's who we are. We're living stones. You know these guys that built these other temples that I just read off? They wouldn't they would have the stones pre-cut for them, perfectly made, and then brought to them, and they would make these temples and build these beautiful buildings that were perfect, as perfect as man could make them. There, there, were, there were stones that didn't make the cut, and they would throw them out. That's not the way God builds. God goes and gets the stone, and he'll shape it where he put it within his church. He uses all the stones. He'll get the stones. This stone right here was so badly, so badly, it wasn't even fit for use when it comes to the kingdom work. When I first got saved, if I, if I spent any time focusing on anything else but my relationship with God for the, for the beginning of my relationship with him, I would have been hurting a lot of people because I wasn't fit. I wasn't spiritually healthy. I didn't know him well enough. He had to get with me, and he had to help me. And, then he, and as he started lifting me up and started building me up and getting rid of the bad and putting in the good, then he began to put me in a place that he wanted me to be used in his church, in his body of Christ. The same is true for every one of you. All of you are living stones. It's a living thing, God's church. And all of us are part of it by faith in Jesus as Lord and Savior by repentance the gospel it's not just about going to heaven or escaping hell although those things are important right 
It's about serving God. It's about the kingdom of God. Matthew's, the first part of Matthew's gospel is all about Jesus teaching about this is what the kingdom of God is like. It's important. There's way too many people today that are living their lives however they're living it, maybe not doing such bad things, but they're not serving God. They're not worshiping God. They're not even, they don't even have a healthy prayer life. They don't spend any time with God. But if you ask them, they'll tell you they're a Christian. If you ask them if they believe, they'll tell you they believe. If you try to have a deep discussion about what they believe, they don't want to do that. I guess the point I'm making today is there's plenty of work to be done when it comes to making disciples, y'all. And we're going to spend the next five or six weeks talking about what a Christian is. There's more to it than just being a believer and being a living stone. We're going to talk about all different kinds of aspects of being a Christian, what it means to be a Christian, what God says it means to be a Christian, not what the world says, not what maybe we might misunderstand. We have to know what God wants a Christian to be like for him so that we can be the best servants we can be, so that we can be the best ministers of the gospel we can be, so that we can be the best children of God that we can be, the best disciple makers we can be. I love you and the Lord loves you. There's so much to be excited about if you call yourself a Christian. If you believe the things that I just talked about this morning, you ought to be one of the most excited people in the world, even in the middle of your suffering. We all have suffering. We all have pain. We all have sorrows. We all have hardships. We all have doubts even. But none of that changes what we believe as, as believers. None of, that, none of it changes who we are. None of it changes what Jesus did on the cross. None of it changes his resurrection. None of it changes what it means to have faith in this Jesus, right? It doesn't change. The gospel does not change. It will not change. Now, somebody can change what they say about it, and you may be able to change what you believe about it, but it doesn't change the truth. And there are only some who are going to be saved who are going to be in the presence of God for eternity. And those are the ones who believe that Jesus is the Christ and that he came into this world, Son of God, for the sacrifice of all man's sin. And that he was resurrected from the dead so that we can believe that. It's all about what you believe. The question is, believer, what do you believe? Now, some of you are saying, I, I know I believe, I know I'm saved. But then I'm asking you, are you living so that people can see what you believe. Is everything about your life sharing what you believe with people in some way, form, or fashion? If you don't believe, if this is the first time and you're like, oh, I didn't know all this, and you want to be a believer, all you got to do is stand up and say, I believe. And the Bible says if you do believe, you should be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins so that you can be forgiven and receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. That's what it says. And we go on learning more about what we believe. We go on learning more about Jesus. We go on learning more about God. We go on letting God use us as living stones in his kingdom. Isn't that great? Let's stand together and we'll sing together. If you have a decision to make, let's do that. You ready?